0: I was really frustrated with God at that because here I am someone who can barely speak and you want me to preach. And I was like, that, that ain't funny God. Mm. We're going to have to have talk about this. If I Mm. could talk, we'd have a talk about this. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Welcome to Revelations, the place where we communicate truth to power. I'm Cole Johnson, and so thank you for joining us. Our next guest has published over 1,000 outdoor articles and authored six books. Two of them have earned Outdoor Book of the Year Awards, and his first Christian book was released in 2021. He is an avid hunter, an accomplished podcaster, and... A reformed stutterer? Hmm. We'll talk about that in a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, minister, author, and the host and producer of Christian Outdoor Podcast, Pete Rogers. And this is his revelation. <laughs> Ah, Pete, it is great to have you on Revelations. Thank you for joining me.
2: Thank
0: you for having me so much, Cole. I'm excited to be here. I really am.
1: Oh, man, I'm excited to have you. Thank you. Uh just judging just just seeing what I have witnessed with your uh prodigious bio. <laughs> I was like, "Okay, I I hope I come correct because I know I'm going to learn a lot and I'm going to appreciate what I am going to hear." And uh yeah, this is going to be a good time.
0: Thank you. I hope so.
1: <laughs> All right. So, since you are the f- since you are here for the first time, we love to try to find out what it is about that person. And so, we are going to introduce you in. Open the way. Bye. Now, an open the way conversation starts when vulnerability enters the room. Now, from what I understand, you grew up in South Carolina, and I believe you still live there now. Uh, How was your upbringing?
0: Well, I've been asked that question before, but never that way, Cole. How was my upbringing? Uh, I would say it was good. My parents, um, you know, did it was normal for me. Just let me say that. We did move around an, an awful lot growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, from the time I was born until maybe the fifth grade, I'd been in five states and three different schools and mm-hmm. finally kind of settled here in South Carolina, which is where my dad is from. Right. And, um, I consider it homes. So I've been here most of my life since then. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, since like, uh, I don't know, fifth, sixth grade we've been here and, um, But I did not grow up in a, in a church going family. We did not, you know, we would, every time we moved to a new town, we would like go to the town church once or twice and then stop going. Uh, and so I was not raised in church at all when it comes to my faith journey. Uh, and my sister who's nine years older than me actually started taking me to church with her when I was 11 or 12, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, unfortunately, um, shortly after then we moved, she got married and stayed and we moved again. And so my, my outlet to get to church was taken away from me again. Cause we moved away and she stayed and we moved to Saluda, South Carolina. And, uh, I was there for probably a couple of years before we moved into the town, moved again, moved three times in Saluda and we finally got into town and I was able to uh, got some friends who were going to a youth group and they invited me to go. And that really is what started my catalyst into, into getting into a church life. Um, but all in all, I had a good childhood, I would say, you know, other than that, it was, it was, it was very good. I had loving parents. Um, God. and, um, my brother is only seventeen year- seventeen months older than me and and we were uh bitter rivals as as brothers can be right <laughs> right you know but also uh you know it was it was good. I would not say anything negative about my childhood. I didn't like moving around a lot that kind of yeah that stunk, you know, having to be the <laughs> new guy at, yeah in in a new school constantly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, as you mentioned in the bio with a, a speech impediment and the new guy, it was, it was kind of tough a lot. It really was. Other than yeah. that, it was great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we will definitely touch on, uh, your, the speech impediment that you, that you had and, uh, do that in a little more detail uh, a little later. So okay. you mentioned your siblings and I'm glad you did because this actually was my next question. Uh, Obviously, you have a healthy bond with your sister. You Mm -hmm. seem to have a good healthy bond with your brother, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, How would you describe your relationship when you were younger with the two of them? Uh,
0: I think with my sister, because she is so much older than me, uh, it was not nearly as as close as I would have liked it to be. You know, by the time uh, you kind of get out of the childhood into that formative preteen and teen years, she had already married and moved on. So I did not. We actually grew closer together as adults. And I think it was was because of that. Now, my brother and I do, I think a lot of brothers are this way. Um, You know, we're very different. Hard to believe we came from the same gene pool. You know, it really is because we're so different in the way that we think and the way that we approach life and the way that we interact. But we also have a a, a deep loving and, and concern for each other and, and are very supportive of one another. And so I would say that I have a, uh, I've seen so many adult siblings who just don't get along and I've never understood that because, uh, you know, your siblings is the longest relationship you have in your life. It right. It is. And, and, and it does take effort. It really does. It takes effort in order to, to, uh, intentionally, keep a relationship and stay strong. And we, li- we don't live anywhere near each other. My brother's two hours away and my sister's three and a half hours away, but we have FaceTime and telephone and texting and, uh, and we, we stay in contact weekly, um, by either text, telephone or both. And, and I really cherish that. I do. I, I cherish that a lot. Uh, it's something that I think a lot of people take for granted their sibling relationships as adults, but I think it's something that I, that I personally, I don't I don't know what they can say about me now, (laughs) but, but I cherish them a lot. I really do.
1: You mentioned some of your interests that your siblings had. How about your parents? What were, what were their interests when you were younger?
0: My mom is an artist, a painter. She's a a very detailed. She paints realistic things. Very, very. And she's she's still living. She's not able to paint much anymore because she's you know uh, in her middle eighties and kind of on a decline. My dad passed away in the year two thousand. Very, very young, only sixty three. Whenever he passed, but he was a golfer. That's what he did. Uh, He played golf a lot. Okay, if the course was open, he was there. Uh, and I would say when you go back to the childhood discussions, dad really liked, he would rather spend time with his friends than with his family. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that just comes from the way he was reared. Okay. I don't know yeah. that was as much on him, but Saturday morning before we all woke up, he was at the golf course and he stayed there till supper time, Sunday, the same way. And he was a uh, self-employed sold insurance for his own company. So, uh, growing up in small town, South Carolina, back in the day, Businesses shut down at noon on Wednesday so people could get ready for church Wednesday night. Well, he went to the golf course instead of the church. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, uh, but dad, dad loved chasing that white ball and, and I enjoy playing golf. Right. It didn't yeah. tank me against it, but that yeah. was, that was his passion. He, he loved everything about it. And, uh, that's what he did. And mom, she was, uh, an artist. Yeah. I didn't get any of that either. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Okay. So let me get this straight. So your mother is an artist. Mm -hmm. Your father was an avid golfer. Okay. Help me out here, Pete. So they have those interests, but I'm talking to an outdoorsman. So (laughs) when and how did you develop your love of the outdoors?
0: Yeah. And, and that's a good story. I appreciate you asking that because it's something I like talking about. Is it, I think it was a, a bug that God gave me. I really do. Um, It started when we moved to Saluda. We lived way out in the country, Cole, like 12 miles from town. Mm. There was no one my age anywhere near us. And I just started just exploring in the woods. And I started reading Daniel Boone and and John Muir and David Crockett uh, biographies. And and, uh, back in the day, uh, there was a. Uh, an organization called the Outdoor Life book club. So if you had an o- Outdoor Life magazine, which was the number one outdoor magazine at the time, there was a thing in there where you could mail in a dollar, a $1 bill and they would send you 10 books. Ooh. And in exchange, you know, there's always a catch. Mm-hmm. You only had to buy two books at regular price right. within a, within a year. Mm-hmm. Well, even as a 12-year-old I knew that was a deal, you know, right. so I got my I went and collected bottles and turned in the deposit to get my dollar mm-hmm. mailed my dollar i got my books in and those books just completely transformed my life because mm-hmm. they were books on tracking and finding game hunting small game hunting the white-tailed deer learning how to see animals building fishing lures how to build your own fishing rod i mean it was just everything in the outdoors and i just consumed those books and i would li- literally take them into the woods in hand and say all right this is a drawing of a of a squirrel track and i'm looking in the mud for for all kinds of tracks of animals trying to learn what they are and i just developed this deep passion for for wildlife and how they interact in nature and and how they maneuver across the landscape and then i started understanding that this was all created by god and how mm detailed he is it was just so cool to see that you know that that god made a squirrel like this and a rabbit to hop a squirrel to climb a, a deer to to run on on little bitty feet a giant body little bitty feet that that's weird uh mm-hmm. but it was just so cool how god did that and it just captivated me it just got deep into my soul to the part where as i tell people i don't hunt as a hobby it's part of who i am as right. something i have to do I have to spend time in the woods. Otherwise I just feel like a a one-armed paper hanger, you know, I just, I don't feel complete or whole. Yeah. So that's how it was. It was reading that material that kind of lit a fire in me to go out there and learn and expose and, and to experience it for myself. (laughs)
1: We'll be back with more Pete Rogers right after this.
2: I want to do a TED talk, but I don't have anything to talk about yet. I'm getting there. Life is for the living. We're not here that long. You can learn anything you want to learn without any money spent. What do I really enjoy? What do I really want out of life?
1: I am your host, W-I-Z-E. Are you in a life-holding pattern? Well, this is for you. Welcome. To the Stuck in My Mind podcast. There's a 100% chance of a laugh thunderstorm. Four men with different viewpoints take a movie, show, or documentary and review it. Uncensored, unfiltered, uncompromised, with no holds barred. Join BS3, Wilkes, King Dog, and Hrap B as they take on Hollywood their own way. BS3 Network proudly presents the forecast, where H-Rap B always predicts. If I owe you something, I ain't got it. And if you need it, get it from God. Live every Monday at 8:30 p.m. Central. Check your local listings for your viewing and listening pleasure. Minister, outdoorsman, and author, Pete Rogers joins me on Revelations. He sufficiently opened the way, or he's gonna open a lot more ways in this conversation. But we are now going to take that walk across the bridge to prosperity. Now, the bridge to prosperity, we're linking childhood lessons to adult application. You earlier mentioned that you uh, had a speech impediment. So what was the speech impediment? And when did you discover that you had one?
0: Well, I discovered it as soon as I tried to talk for the first time. Um, I have a, and I still struggle with it. And you'll hear it now that I'm pointing it out. All right. And we'll cover this in detail. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's a stutter. Some people call it a stammer. It's a stutter Mm -hmm. where I basically get stuck on words and certain sounds and consonant combinations that I can't get them out. And I've I had that from my very earliest childhood, as far back as my memory goes, that speaking was very, very difficult to the point that it was nearly impossible to speak at all. And I could not read aloud at all. I could read, but I couldn't read aloud at all. And a lot of that was that was the anxiety of of getting stuck and hearing the laughter of kids, you know, kids are cruel. Somebody does that. Then they start laughing at me and and they start mimicking and mocking you. Come here, you know, that kind of stuff. And you, and you get, it's just, so you just don't want to try to talk because people are always making fun of you. And, and here's a funny story. It was so bad in high school. I was the quarterback on the football team, but I couldn't call the place. Oh no. And the huddle. Right, so the coach would send in uh, a flanker or a wide receiver right. every play with the play, and he <laughs> would call the play in the huddle. I mean, I could say downset hut, right? right? That's that's mm-hmm. pretty easy. Right. Or get the cadence out in order to do that, but I could not. And all the rush and anxiety that's happening in the a, in the a right in a, in a football game, I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I couldn't call the plays. So the coach would send in a flanker with the play. He would call the play, and then would go up and run the play all the way back. As far as I could remember, I had this, this really severe speech impediment. I'm, I'm now going to explain how I've learned to control it a little bit because okay. speech therapist oh. helped helped a lot. And back in those days, Cole, they would come and take you out of class and you would go and spend an hour with the speech therapist. Mm-hmm. And she would you know, do all these techniques. So I went, you know, like I said, we moved around a lot. So I had a lot of different therapists. Mm -hmm. What so happened when we moved to straw, South Carolina, my aunt was my therapist and she quickly identified that there were certain consonant combinations and certain word combinations that caused me the most trouble. Right now, a lot of words cause me trouble, Mm -hmm. but, what she said was, all right, Pete, let's see if we can figure out how you can avoid some of these hangups. And so she taught me how to substitute words in certain situations. I'll give you an example. Okay. Um, I have to stop to say the word, and I have to say it slow so you can hear me. Mm-hmm. Anytime there's an and a T close to one another, I get stuck. <sighs> yeah, think of what your tongue does. You know, yeah, so words like "little," mm-hmm. right? You see how I had to stop to say that. Yeah, when I'm just in regular conversation, I'm going to say "small," right? Even though the other word's better, mm-hmm. right? And she taught me how to very quickly be thinking ahead of what I'm going to say and come up with ways to substitute. And she also taught me what I now term micro pauses, which you will probably notice now that I've pointed them out to you. Mm-hmm. But what I do is when I'm am thinking of what I want to say and I know that there's a a word or a phrase that's going to be difficult, I will place micro pauses between those words so that i can get them out and i i disguise that as trying to enunciate and speak slow Mm -hmm. but by enunciating and speaking slow i'm also putting in little pauses that allows my tongue to reset and to say what i need to say Okay. okay So, you know, and I'm a public speaker, you know, I all go right. and speak at men's conferences and and all, all over right. the country. I do podcasts and things. And usually only when I tell people, do they know that I have a, a struggle, but I know it. I feel it when I'm editing my podcast, I'm cutting it out. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and if I were to ever publish one raw, you would hear it because I told you about it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Um, and so that's how I'm able to handle it, right? So when I would like, like when I'm preaching uh, at a church, for example, or or speaking at a men's conference, I memorize what I'm going to say. I write it out and I read it out loud and see if I can actually say it the way that I wrote it. And if I can't, I have to change the writing so that I can speak it. It may be horrible grammatically to read right. it, but it's words that I can say and in combinations that I can say. As you said, I can't say it so it sounds correct. Right. Um, It's just too many just like R's and W's that get together. They just like Mm -hmm. the word R E W A R D. Yeah. I can't say that. So it sounds like the word, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, or R U R A L. I can't say, Mm-hmm. Yeah, say it for me. I, oh, I, r- oh, you talking yeah. rural? Yes, yeah. I can't say that at all. I just mm-hmm. um, and anytime there's a uh, like multiple W's, I'll mm-hmm. pause. I'll go slow and do it. What will we be doing? Mm-hmm. I have to. Those multiple W's just stick, so mm-hmm. I have to. I have to try to think of another. But that's probably the most difficult substitution that I have to fight with is, uh, I'm just going to stop and say it slow. (laughs) What will we be doing today? You know, um, because it's hard to come up on the fly of a good substitution for that.
1: You decided to, in your collegiate career, I should say your undergrad career to go decided to go to university of South Carolina. So, what made you want to go there? What did you major in? And what direction did you originally want to go after you graduated from there being a Canecock? Uh, yeah, well,
0: <laughs> okay, well I finished there by by necessity, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no. <Yeah>. Um <laughs> Yeah. I went to college cause I felt called to go into the ministry and I knew, and I wanted to go to seminary and you can only go to seminary as a graduate student. Right. And so I, seriously, the reason I went to undergraduate was so I could go to seminary okay. and, and, uh, um, I was actually serving a church at, while I was in my undergraduate and got moved. I was in the United Methodist church and they moved preachers around. Right. Uh, you know, the old saying is they throw your a dart at the board. That's where you go. Um, uh, <laughs> And I had to uh, transfer with one semester to go in college. I had to oh, transfer because wow. I got moved, and so I ended up finishing at South Carolina. Um, but that's okay. I mean, it's a good school, right? Yeah. But I, but I live in the shadow of Clemson. Okay. And ah. So I'm I'm a I have a degree in from the University of South Carolina but their arch rival Clemson is really who I like the best. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> that oh, there is you hilarious. go.
0: And then I went, and then I went to Erskine theological seminary and, and got my mm-hmm. master of divinity degree there. Okay. So the whole reason I went to college was to go to seminary.
1: Right. Okay. All right. So uh, what was the greatest lesson you learned while you uh, were in undergrad? Uh,
0: I learned how I learned. Nice. That's I think, nice. and I've taught, I've taught my kids this, is that I think college more than anything else teaches you how you learn and how to, and, and time management. That's two of the, two of the best tools that I think undergraduate gives, gives people who is how do you learn? How can you get the most out of it? Cause I paid my own way a hundred percent. I paid my own way a hundred percent and, and so I'm invested in this, right? right? I I am like deeply invested in this. Mm-hmm. And, and so I need to do well. And mm-hmm. especially to get into graduate school, you need to do well. Right. And and so I, I quickly learned how I learned. And I think having the speech problem helps in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wrote word for word, what professor said, this was before, you know, People had the cassette tapes back in the day and put right. it on the professor's desk. That right. never worked for me. I wrote word for word and I would read, you know, I just, as I developed my own shorthand and I would read the notes and go take the test write the papers. Uh, I love research. I enjoy, I think that's part of being a theologian is you love research. You, mm-hmm. you love digging into the root cause of things and the roots of words and what's the meaning and the historical significance, blah, blah, blah. So my undergraduates in history, cause that's what I loved. Uh, i love to do in the research specifically american history and the native americans of the plains was what my undergraduate was in Um, and then i went to seminary and just loved seminary loved Mm. it loved it loved it Mm
1: more Pete Rogers after this. That's why we here on this platform. Marriage. A loving splendor. A daily grind. Such is the case when Damien and Jamie get together and chop it up. For marriage is real.
2: Let's just lay it all out here. Let's just be real with
1: it. Join this wonderful couple who keeps it real and always in love. BS3 Network proudly presents Marriage is real where love is the only thing that matters. Live every Tuesday at eight thirty Central. Oh, and Jamie has something to say.
2: Deuces and trays.
1: Discouragement, sorrow, distance. Your arguments cause damage to your family. The hurt leads to divorce. You feel like there is nowhere else to turn. But there is hope for you. That's where we come into play. There is an overcomer that lives inside of you. One ready to take on the world as you leap for joy, living in victory. You'll grow to love yourself and others. There's life after divorce. And you can claim it today. Get Over Divorce, where your new story begins here every Thursday on YouTube and Spreaker. Author, minister, and avid outdoorsman, and also podcaster Pete Rogers joins me on Revelations. He's opened the way, he's walked across that bridge, and now it is time to get behind the purpose. Now, with behind a purpose, this is the reason why we function the way we do. And so you have heard this gentleman talk about seminary. You have heard this gentleman talk about church life when he was younger. So, of course, I have to ask this question now since I am talking to a minister. When did you give your life over to God?
0: Oh, that was in April of 20, uh, 1976. 1976. Okay. I say I'm, I'm giving my age now, Cole. You didn't say I had to do that. <laughs> oh, you didn't man. say I had to tell, but of course, the oh, great, I'm so sorry, Pete. <laughs> as if I can hide my gray beard, right? Right.
2: <laughs>
0: I look good for 96 though, don't I? I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, uh, now it was uh, back when I was telling you about my sister being so much older than me and taking me right. to church. At, that's when I accepted Christ as my savior. And, Mm -hmm. and it really stuck with me. Of course, I think like a lot of people, and as I said earlier, moving away and not getting to go to church, I kind of had a, uh, as it says in second Timothy, a fanning into flame, the Ember was, was still there. And then when I started going to youth group, um, at about 14, I guess it was, Mm -hmm. uh, or so Dan, there was a, he was actually the music minister who was thrown into the youth pastor job. And he, you could tell he really struggled with it, uh, because he was a music guy, but right. he had a profound impact on me and, and helped me understand a lot of the, a lot of the things. And I can remember, I preached my first sermon when I was 15 <laughs> as a stutterer, uh, live on radio. And it was like 400 and something people there. And going back to what we said, I, I had it memorized. Right, I was still Mm. nervous as a, as a cat, but, uh, had it memorized, did my first one then, and just felt, felt like this is what God wanted me to do was to, was to proclaim his word. And, and I'll be honest with you. I I was really frustrated with God at that because here I am someone who can barely speak and you want me to, to preach. And I was like, that, that ain't funny God, That ain't funny at all. Mm. We're going to have to have talk about this. If Mm. I could talk. We'd have a talk about it. <laughs> We're going to have a little murmuring back and forth. Here. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so that's when I got saved as as, as a
1: 12-year-old, and it kind of grew from there. Okay, well, th- th- now here is, here is something that I wanted to ask somebody who overcame what you did. So mm-hmm. how often did you hear, well, Moses had a, stammering and stuttering uh, issue you could overcome it like he did how how often did you hear that uh,
0: uh too too often <laughs> too often
1: and uh
0: about as often as you hear Pete and repeat right oh uh, no, yeah oh yeah and and I would go to the scripture I'm looking at right, King James it didn't say he stuttered he, he said I'm slow to speak right uh, maybe that meant he was shy maybe mm-hmm. he didn't like speaking in front of crowds and here's Forty thousand Hebrews, he's supposed to be speaking to, or right. going to the Pharaoh. That's the big guy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I'm nervous talking about. So I heard that a lot. Um, I've even heard people say, "Here's an interesting one, Cole." That Paul's thorn in his side was a speech impediment. I've heard people say. I'd huh. never heard that until I heard you know somebody speaking on it actually pretty recently. And yeah, mm-hmm. like, eh. I thought it was his wife. <laughs> 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 there you go again traveling without me and i'm, I'm left here at home with the kids oh uh, man that's a joke by the way for anybody listening to that i do not mean <laughs> that Um uh, but yeah i heard it a lot about moses and it it does not bring comfort honestly it did not bring that's comfort tough. to me at all at all because i'm not moses right yeah i'm not moses
1: so it did not bring comfort at all That's what I thought. I I thought you heard it a lot and I thought it did. I I thought it would not have brought comfort to you Mm because if I would hear that, it would, it would be like, basically like a mosquito coming in my way. It's like, I would want to swat it away. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's not comforting. No. Uh, And I want to say this, if I may, I don't know if this is the right time to interject it, but for the list, for the listeners out there, when you encounter people that are stuttering, don't finish their sentences for them. Mm. Let them. Let them get it out. Don't try to guess what they're trying to say and say it for them. I know for me, that causes me more anxiety and more angst and more, uh, actually it just makes us angry that just be patient with me. I'll get it out and just do that. Just don't try to finish it for them. Just let them get it out however they can. And it just, it it means a lot to the person that you're being patient.
1: And letting us be who we are. If I were, and I'm so glad I get a chance to talk to a minister. If I were to ask you which scriptures in the Bible give you the most comfort, which ones would they be? Oh, man, I don't
0: like when people ask me to quote scripture or call it out because we get put on the, the spot th- there. Well, we, <laughs> well,
1: well, you don't have to do book, chapter and verse. I'll put okay. it that way. <laughs> all right. All right.
0: Good. I really I really enjoy the Psalms. Okay. Um, I, I do because I find myself at different points in the same place that David found himself. I'm in despair or I'm excited. I'm just overly blessed and I want to give praise to God, or I'm just very frustrated with where life's going. And so there's, there are Psalms for all emotions of humankind. Yes. And, and uh, so I really like those. Um, I love reading the gospel of John and I like Romans, but I also like these, the small books in the back of the new Testament. First (laughs) second, Peter. Uh, and first, second, third John get overlooked a lot. Yeah. Uh, but there, that is some good stuff right there. I love how first John opens up. He says the things I'm going to paraphrase it, mm-hmm. the things that we have witnessed, we're going to make known to you. All right. I saw it. So I want you to pay attention. I was there. So I want you to pay attention because I'm going to tell you what I saw. Right. That's paraphrase. That's, that's Stephen, a Smith language of what <laughs> of first, of, uh, first John, <laughs> I'm not a Stephen A. fan either because he screams too much, but yes, uh, he does. But I love how that opens, and 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 if you read that and say, "I was there," I'm going to tell you what I saw because I was there, and read mm-hmm. what he said, and he goes, "God is love. Mm-hmm. You can't love because of your mm-hmm. own initiative. You can only love because God first loved you." Wow. And 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 so I love those books, and 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 I really go to you know, one, two, three, John, and one, two, Peter often, um, because there's so much, so powerful, such powerful language there. It really is. I, I, as a writer, I admire how they get so much in such little space.
1: You mentioned earlier how much you love to be a researcher and how much you enjoy digging into historical contents especially when it comes uh, to American history and when it comes to the Bible itself. Mm -hmm. When did writing become such a huge part of your life?
0: I think uh, I actually started writing as a teenager because I couldn't speak and it became my outlet to express myself. And I actually, when my dad died and we were going through things, I found a notebook, a spiral composition book from, um, High school, uh, some of my very first writings, and I still have that. It was really bad, <laughs> okay. but it was a start, right? Uh, of course. Um, but as far as getting published, I think that's really kind of where you're going. Um, mm-hmm. I've always written stories and I've always written about things. So I was actually, I'd gone on hunting moose in Alaska back in the, in the late nineties. And I got back from that trip and I wrote a story about it and I sent it to the guys that were with me and they were just, you know, very complimentary wow, Pete, this is awesome. You did a great job. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, well, thank you. But, and, but one of them, he and I, his name's Walter. He and I became very, very close. He was 23 years older than me and he has since passed away, but we were, we, we became very close. And he kept encouraging me, Pete, you, you really have a gift with words. You really need to, excuse me, to do something with that. And I was telling my wife about it and she said, well, you should. And well, that's what, I was supposed to say, right. They're supposed to encourage us, you know, Right. And, and, and so I thought about it, I said, well, why not? You know? So this was back before the internet, we were actually putting letters in envelopes and for you Molinos out there, there, we put a stamp on it and put it in the mailbox. <laughs> I know you don't have a clue what that is, but that's what we did back in the day. And we would have to wait four or six weeks for the editor to say, no, thank you. Um, But I am a very stubborn and very persistent, I like to say, very passionate person. So I kept at it. Mm -hmm. And finally, uh, a magazine said, you know, we like this story. We would like to publish it. And I was like, wow, really? And they actually paid me for it, Cole. I could not Mm -hmm. believe that you got paid for it. Mm -hmm. So I published one story, and it gave me the motivation to keep trying. And I would literally – go to books a million here in town with a legal pad. And I would write bibliographies from the magazines in the magazine section. Cause if you read that masthead and, mo- and no-, no, one does except writers at the very bottom of the masthead, it'll say to submit manuscripts, contact blah, blah, blah. And it gave an address and I would write these bibliographies. And I'd come home and I would send letters out and send letters out and send letters out. And, Gradually, one story became two, two became four, four became eight, and then the internet came in. We could actually email people, mm-hmm. that really transformed the, the the business as far as speed of reply. And you know, I've since then in the twenty three years I've been writing for hunting and fishing magazines, I've published over a thousand articles, and as you said, six books. Uh, mm-hmm. Five five outdoor books and and my first Christian book and I have more in the pipeline as well. Nice, yeah. Wow.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So I do about a hundred stories a year, roughly. Now i've I've backed oh. off since I started podcasting. I've backed off my writing a lot because mm-hmm. uh, I really enjoy the podcasting. And as you know, it takes a lot of work. Yeah, right. A lot of mm-hmm. prep and a lot of editing work. So I said to my wife, I said, "Something's got to give." I work for the USDA full time. I'm a full-time writer. I'm a full-time podcaster. I'm a full-time author of books, something, and and I'm a dad and a husband. I got to, you know, sleep has to come in there somewhere. Mm -hmm. Eating has to come in there somewhere. So I said, well, I'm going to start cutting back on the magazine and website writing and focus more on podcasting and books. Mm. So that's what I do now. I still do about 40, 50 stories a year, but you know it's uh like somebody will email me and say Pete I really need a story on this can you help me out like, eh, well okay yeah <laughs> get a yes and figure out the rest mm. that's how I feel. that's what I, that's been my motto get a yes and then figure out the rest
1: More Pete Rogers on the other side. This is Revelations.
0: Of course, Steph Curry. Tim Anderson.
2: Yoron Alvarez. And then it's caught! Debo Samuel with the catch!
1: Michael Jordan consents The
2: throw just got the king!
1: BS3 Network. The hottest of hot takes. The coldest of cold, hard facts. This is Snowman in the Morning with Cole Johnson. Weekdays at 8 a.m. Eastern. Check your local listings for your viewing and listening pleasure. This is a BS3 Network presentation. Politics. They'll write the law, but they'll enforce it differently. Is that gonna apply both ways? Religion. God never said that we can't reason together. Matter of fact, he said, let us sit and reason together. Relationship. I believe that everybody wants and needs somebody. From a man's perspective. So they say, "Girls, if I put some polish on that and get him to some, buy some different clothes, girl, he could be a winner winner chicken dinner. Join the thought engineer. There's nothing wrong with me developing my piece and you developing your piece, but understand the goal is to come together. And comedian John Yogi. Negro, I don't need you putting on no chapstick up there in the pool pit. You do that over there in your chair. Get ready for
2: Monday. Live
1: every Monday at 7 p.m. Central. these interviews commercial free well now you can revelations is on patreon become a patron today Minister, blogger, author, <laughs> pastor, uh, <laughs> outdoorsman, uh, but so many different things. Pete Rogers has joined me here on Revelations, and he has opened the way, he walked across the bridge, prosperity, and he has given us the reason why he is the way he is. And now it is time to bring it all to life. Now all of us shine in a unique way. And obviously, Pete, you shine uniquely yourself. So I have to ask you, from stutterer to a podcast host, how in the world did Christian Outdoors podcast even become a thing?
0: Well, that's... uh... It's, it's actually was a long process, Cole. Um, I know a lot of podcasters, and you do as well, who say, I think I want to start a podcast. And three weeks later, they're they're, they're on the air. Um, mm-hmm. But me, I, I like to say, I like to do research. I'm kind of thorough mm-hmm. to a fault at times. Mm-hmm. I will over-research things and spend too much time planning and prep. But I studied this for 18 months. Mm-hmm. And before I decided to actually take the plunge, uh, I was at a writers conference, the Professional Outdoor Media Association, and they had a seminar on podcasting. So I, I went in there and listened to it. I'd never even heard of podcasting. I guess this was in that uh, twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, mm-hmm. and uh, and I listened to. It. I said, "Man, I've I've kind of always wanted to have a a radio show, uh, but." You know, radio shows make, you got to sell ads and you got 22 minutes and then a commercial and 22 minutes and a commercial. And I, I I didn't want to do all the SCC rules and finding mm-hmm. a station that would have it. And I learned about podcasting. I said, that's really fascinating. So I started listening to podcasts mm-hmm. and I started listening to podcasts on how to podcast. There's a lot of those out there, by the way. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And they were very helpful. I started watching YouTube videos and how to start a podcast and what to do and, and I said, all right, Pete, but you got to have a topic. You got to have good content. I mean, that's that's true in writing. It's true in, in being in, in a book. If it's a topic nobody wants to read, they're not going to buy it, right? Right. And it's the same thing with podcasting. And having been a pastor and served churches for 12 years, I know that Sunday's coming. You better have a good sermon. So there's a lot of content out there. It's just, can you put it in a way that people want to hear it? Well, having been an outdoor writer for so long and ha- being fortunate to get to know a lot of the people in the industry, I've learned Cole that in the outdoor space in the hunting and fishing world, uh, for the, those listening out there that may not be familiar, like if you go to the outdoor channel, all those people on television, whether they're hunters or fishermen, mm-hmm. uh, or women, they're overwhelmingly are people of faith. They just aren't allowed to share it on the outdoor channel or the sportsman's network. They're not allowed to talk about their faith, but they are. They spend their careers in creation, and they would love to have a platform to talk about it. I was like, well, I love Jesus, and I love the outdoors. Why don't I bring those two things together and find like-minded people who love the outdoors and love Jesus as well and give them a platform where they can talk about what they're good at, whether it's hunting, fishing, riding, podcasting, but also give them a place where they can talk about their faith openly. Right. Uh, I had a podcast this morning that I recorded for my show and the gentleman mm. said, thank you for letting me get to talk about my faith. I never get to do that. Mm. And, and so it's been a great, a, a great uh, platform for that. But also back in 2014, I was reading cause I like to read theology Mm-hmm. the The Westminster Shorter Catechism, which is a teaching tool written in the 1600s by the Presbyterian Church in Scotland, and it's a question and, a, and answer format. And the first question of that Cole, is, "What is the chief end of mankind?" Remember that was written in the 1600s, so they right. were not poli- they were not politically correct. Right. Right. The modern translation that is, "What is my purpose for being here?" Mm-hmm. Right. In other words, what's the meaning of life? Right. The answer to that is, according to the Westminster Shorter Catechism, is the chief end of mankind is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Mm-hmm. And when I read that, I thought, well, that's a good Sunday school answer. So I went to question two. And well, wait, a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. My brain went back to and enjoy him forever. Mm-hmm. Right. So this kind of you'll see how the podcast and the book all came together. And to enjoy him forever. So I asked myself, I did some really serious self-reflection and said, you know, I, I I love God. I worship God. I acknowledge God. I enjoy God's blessings. But do I enjoy him in the way I believe that he wants me to? And I, I was honest with myself, Cole. I said, you know, what? I don't think I do. Like I said, I enjoy the blessings he gives me. I enjoy my family. I enjoy his creation because I'm out in it all the time. I enjoy all that. But do I enjoy God? in a deeply intimate, personal level. And I said, no, I don't think I do, but I want to, I really want to. Mm -hmm. So I started on this path in 2014 of asking myself every single day, Pete, how will you enjoy God today? With, with the Monday, like today, I'm just bogged down in the office. I'm recording podcasts. I'm a guest on your show. Mm -hmm. I got a ton of editing to do when we're done Mm -hmm. But in the process of that, God wants to be intimately involved in every aspect of my life. How can I enjoy him in that process? Wow. And, and tomorrow when I'm out doing something else, or if I'm sitting in a deer stand, how can I enjoy God? Not just enjoy the beauty of his creation and the magnificence of his animals and the time of solitude that I get, but how can I enjoy him? So on that process came the podcast. Is saying, so my little tagline for my podcast is where we talk about all things outdoors and how we can enjoy God every day. Mm-hmm. So I want to encourage listeners to not just let's talk about hunting and fishing and camping and backpacking and, and whatever, but let's also, let's see how can we enjoy God in the process? How can we enjoy God in a deeply intimate personal level? And that's where I'm going to jump into my book if I'm not getting ahead of times here. Is that okay? Is uh, that's where my book that's called "Do You Enjoy God"? I'm gonna hold up a copy here. Sure. Do you enjoy God? Twelve steps to enjoying God every day. That's how that came out through that whole journey that I've been on for the past eight years. How can I enjoy God every day? So my question is: Do you enjoy God? And and I spend this book and the podcast, but the but the book now explaining here are things that you should do if you want to enjoy God on the level that I believe that God wants us to, you know, and that starts with a relationship. All right. Right. So that's chapter one. It starts with a relationship. God wants that relationship with you. And it starts, you know, let's go to John 3, 16. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus said, yeah, but how am I going to go back in the womb? He said, no, no, you don't get it, Nick. Pay attention. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm trying to tell you is whoever believes in me has a new life, has eternal life. And that word, whoever jumps out at me, Cole, and says, whoever believes, if Cole believes, if Terry believes, if Bill believes, if Pete believes, then we have that relationship. That's where it starts. And And I say in the book, are you a whoever? Are you that person? Cause God didn't want me to be like Cole. God doesn't want me to be like, like Lisa. God wants Pete. He wants right. a relationship with Pete and he wants that. And he made me the way I am, which is chapter two, being an image bearer, being created in the image of God.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You Cole, carry a unique thumbprint that God placed on you. Right. And I carry a unique thumbprint. And right. so does, and so does every listener out there. Right. You are made uniquely in the image of God. And that is so awesome. But mm-hmm. what it also helps me to do is not just see that I'm made in God's image, but so are you. It lets me look at you as someone who carries God's image, not as a man, not as a black man or a white man or, a, or an Asian man or a black right. one or whatever, but as a, someone who carries the image of God. Right. Right. Those labels we put on ourselves, mm-hmm. but the label I want to see is an image bearer as that person carries the image of God. And, and, and and then we go into, how do you understand your gifts? Do You know what your gifts are. If you understand what your gifts are, you can use them to benefit the kingdom and to draw closer to him. And how do we enjoy God when, when things are going really, really bad? How can we enjoy God when we just lost our job and we got a mortgage to pay and the kids are hungry. Uh, and I, and I give real, real life stories of, Personal stories and stories of people that I've known uh, in the book that kind of walk us through that process. But I think that it it's been transformative for me. My wife and family will tell you. Since I started on this path, I'm a better husband, and I'm a better father. I'm definitely a better follower of Jesus because I focus on enjoying Him, not just acknowledging Him, not just recognizing Him, but I want to enjoy Him on a deeply intimate, personal level every single day. And it just it, it's completely changed my life. And I and I think it will help help you, you know, people who read this book. And I'm not saying that to sell it. I'm saying it because I, every word in there came from God. It took me almost 10 years to put it all together. Right. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it's been prayed over. And 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 I believe that, that God inspired every one of those words in order to help people to enjoy him.
1: Minister, avid outdoorsman, author, uh, and a wonderful overall wonderful guy, and a beautiful Christian, Pete Rogers joins me in Revelations, and now it is time to do a little plug in. and this is when we have our guest promote any and everything to his or her heart's desire. In this case, it's his, and whatever is on your mind, whatever is in your heart, and whatever you want to plug or promote. Right now, Pete, the floor is yours.
0: Well, thank you, Cole. I really appreciate that. As I said earlier, I'm not a really good marketer, but uh, if you want to learn more about Christian Outdoors podcast, it's christianoutdoors.org. That's christianoutdoors.org is the website. All of my podcasts are there. All of my books are there. My merchandise is there as well. You can learn about me. Also, uh, if you're looking for a speaker at, at your conference or event, then you can go to my website and you can email me at pete at org because I do speaking engagements at men's conferences and outdoor events all around the country. And I'd be glad to come speak at your event if that's something that you need. Uh, again, my books are there. You can find my books on, on Amazon uh, under my name, under Pete Rogers. My book, Do You Enjoy God? Twelve Steps to Enjoying God Every Day is available there as well. Uh, and it's available as, as a Kindle book and as an audio book as well. So if you need an audio book, it's available there. But the best way to find out anything is at ChristianOutdoors.org.
1: And I really appreciate you having me on the show today. Well, for a person who claims he's not a good marketer, uh, that was a good marketing <laughs> bit right there. Well, thank you. <laughs> Man, minister. I'm still
0: not comfortable doing that, though. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm still I, I, not I, comfortable doing that. I told it to understand. told it it's dead. Uh, minister author podcaster and well, I guess reduced uh public speaker oh, man is there anything I'm missing oh yes a uh, uh, follower of Jesus yes, uh, <laughs> yes. and I know that's, that's the most important one of course along most with one. being father and a husband Pete Rogers Pete thank you for this time I'm so glad that you joined me here for on revelations thank you for having me I really enjoyed it yeah. Christianity. I should have put the two together earlier than I did. After all, a lot of the Bible deals with scenarios involving agricultural living. Overcoming obstacles also plays a part in this story, and that's where Pete Rogers enters. When you find your purpose, it's as if you possess a life cheat code. With this minister, I believe his purpose is to show others how we can overcome. The Bible says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. To conquer stuttering takes effort, determination, and will. Being a minister takes a heart to love Christ and those who love him along with an open vessel. Bringing those to God with a nature twist to it has a unique spin that all of us can only appreciate. Many thanks to Pete Rogers for giving us his perspective on life. And why don't you join us every Tuesday on YouTube where you will see a different person being interviewed by yours truly each week. For changing the world one conversation at a time. I'm Cole Johnson and this has been Revelation. for tuning into Revelations. To download this episode, go to Acast and type Revelations. For apparel, go to Spring and type Revelations. Music by Lakey Inspired.